0: Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and I'm joined by my colleague, Jay Shavit to discuss the busy week of US airline earnings and EasyJet's latest numbers. Please enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? Hi, Ned, how are you? Good, as as you like to say, It's the thick of earnings Uh, where we've had Delta and United have gone, and we are sitting here on January twenty fifth, looking forward to the gauntlet of American, Alaska, Southwest, and JetBlue all going on Thursday, January twenty
1: sixth. Yeah, tomorrow's the uh, the big day. There's uh, you know a whole lot going on. I think we've even got uh, Wizz Air over in Europe, and who knows what else will pop up. But certainly for for the U.S. uh, U.S. airline industry. Tomorrow is a uh, earnings bonanza day.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So we're we're gonna take a quick spin through the four airlines that are going tomorrow, and uh, a little bit of what uh, what we're watching. Um, Jay, what about American? What's uh, what's on your radar with them?
1: Yeah, we can start with them because they'll be the biggest of the airlines reporting tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, one thing that'll be interesting to listen for is uh, so they gave uh, rather bullish guidance. Um, on their fourth quarter results uh, when they – was a couple weeks ago. They um, they actually raised their, you know, expectations of what they were going to earn as far as operating margin um, and their revenues. And a lot of that, I believe, was uh, just what happened with Southwest probably helped them a lot. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they have any more details, uh, if they provide any more, you know, color on – uh exactly to what extent that Southwest meltdown helped them. Um we'll also, you know, obviously they have uh, you know, DFW is just Dallas DFW is just a huge uh hub for them. And the economy's, you know, rather strong there. Uh we'll see how, you know, things are shaping there. Um and uh, you know, Charlotte is another hub where they've always had a lot of success. And um so yeah, it's always interesting to you know, hear an airline of that size talk about where they're seeing strengths and weaknesses geographically. Um, and then of course Southwest will be next. And anything you're listening for there, uh Ned that
0: uh yeah well, comes to mind. You know, you talked a bit about you know American expecting, you know, some kind of benefit from Southwest. And we, we heard that from Delta United, but what I'm looking for for Southwest is is first, you know, how much the impact of their holiday meltdown is is sort of carrying over into 2023. They updated guidance for the fourth quarter, but they haven't really provided any guidance on the impact in the first quarter or or for the full year. And some Wall Street analysts have said they expect the impact to continue in the first quarter, but as we all know, travelers have uh short-term memories. So there's there's not my not much expectation that those costs and and whatever pressures will continue on sort of past uh, past march. Now of course, the flip side of that is we're all expecting Southwest to unveil additional investment in their technology which has been highlighted for this meltdown. You know, CEO Bob Jordan has said in various uh, public letters, public statements that they invest about a billion dollars in technology annually but that's been their annual tech investment for several years, and it's gone to all kinds of things. You know, They've recently made some big investments in their distribution system so that they could sell more tickets to business travelers. But what they really need is, is the investments need to go into this crew scheduling system that was blamed for the meltdown. So I'm curious if they're gonna see, we're gonna see additional money going into that, if they're gonna talk about shifting more of that billion dollars into crew scheduling, and you know whatever they say, of course, Scheduling systems don't get updated overnight. So I'm not expecting them to be like, hey, we're gonna have a new system that's gonna switch on you know next week because this is it, you know, it's been likened to heart surgery for an airline. These systems run the airline essentially, so it's uh it's big. And then you know, the, the final question I have at Southwest is is what their capacity outlooks gonna be for 2023. Now they released some pretty rosy uh growth numbers in December. And I'm gonna be comparing those to to what they actually present, and you know, whether how much of a capacity hit the meltdown could take on on the 2023 plants. So it's a lot to listen to for Southwest, but you know a lot of viewers are gonna be following them closely just because they've been in, in the headlines so much. Yeah,
1: and network wise, I mean they're another airline that's very um, you know can be very uh, sort of uh, enlightening or or um, what's the word? Um, they can be very informative on uh on on what trends are happening geographically because domestically anyway they're so you know they, they just have such a national scope and I have to believe that a market like California for them which is which is very you know very large part of Southwest Network um that has to be hurting right now um I, I on the other hand you know maybe some of the Texas stuff is doing is doing better uh and it's, it's always interesting to hear from them to the extent that they Reveal, and they don't always say much. but uh, you know just what what exactly uh, which parts of the network are are uh, are doing well, which are' not doing doing so well. we'll We'll listen right. carefully for that.
0: right. And speaking of uh, network impact, specific uh, geographic regions, you know Alaska Airlines, which represents on Thursday, is going to be interesting. You know, they have a very west coast focused network with major hubs in tech centers, Seattle and the Bay Area specifically. And we've been reading a lot in headlines about tech industry layoffs, everyone from Microsoft to Amazon, to Meta, to Twitter, to, you know, the list goes on and on. So it's going to be interesting to see what Alaska has to say about demand in their hubs and where it sits, you know, whether they're being hit by these tech layoffs, because, you know, they really don't have large presence in other markets like Southwest and Texas and, and around the country. So, if, they're, if the tech hubs are hurting, that's going to really, you know, Alaska potentially could be really feeling that. That said, their fourth yes. quarter in 2022 mm-hmm. numbers could still be rosy, and the impact could be coming this year, but that's going to be something to listen closely for.
1: Yeah, very much so. There are, I'd say, two sectors in the US economy that are in recession right now, loosely speaking. Uh, one is the tech sector, the other is the housing sector and as you mentioned Ed, uh, uh alaska is very exposed to that that tech center sector being there in seattle um which to be clear is their uh you know that's that's their big money hub they also have uh you know a big presence in california like we talked about with southwest they compete with southwest there and then uh, portland is another uh big market for them and those are all you know very tech heavy so we'll have to uh as you as you mentioned uh, you know, just listen for any signs of distress with that segment.
0: Absolutely. And then the, the last airline we've got reporting tomorrow is JetBlue. And, you know, they are a unique airline. They're a little bit more leisure focused. They they have hubs in some of the most challenging geographies in the country, New York and Boston. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they have to say, whether, you know, they, yeah, if they have picked up at all from Southwest issues, they don't overlap a ton. They've got Florida. Or you know what? What's the story there?
1: Yeah, I mean they should have. Uh, I mean they do have a lot of exposure to leisure markets, uh, places like Florida and the Caribbean, which have to. I mean they're just going gangbusters and have been really since the uh, you know since last spring. There's no signs that any of that is lighting up, so you have to believe that those markets are doing very well. Um, what's a little less clear is maybe how some of those Boston corporate markets are doing. That's kind of a big business for them as well as the transcom. They have a lot of ASMs and available seat miles in, uh, tied up in the, in the transcontinental market, you know, connecting places like Boston and New York to to California, Seattle, whatnot. Um, that market also, uh, you know, especially during fourth quarter, not a ton of leisure. Uh, there's, you know. I don't know how much of the corporate traffic they get, they get some of that. So that's a little bit more suspect for them. So any clues that they might give in their call, um, you know, something to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then of course for all of these airlines, one of the perennial questions will be costs. We've seen elevated costs as as the industry has exited the pandemic. I'm curious to see what kind of cost. Growth or, or control that are is expected from these airlines, especially as many are facing higher pilot contracts. Alaska already has theirs in place, but Americans is open, Southwest is open, um, and I'm not sure where JetBlue is. But so we're gonna we're gonna be watching costs as well. But that's a perennial thing that we're always watching here at Airline Weekly.
1: Right, right. And if if you ask me to, uh, you know summarize 2022 as succinctly as possible for the for the airline world it's uh you know revenues way up but costs way up and that's uh you know the situation i think we still find ourselves in at the start of 2023 um no uh no signs of any real change to that trend uh including on the revenue side everybody's kind of waiting with uh, as I mentioned before, there are a couple of big sectors of the economy that are starting to falter now, and everybody's wondering if that's going to translate into weaker airline revenues. So far, so good. Um, the you know the travel sector happens to be the opposite of uh, of housing and tech in the sense that they're you know that they were in recession during the pandemic, and now they're booming. Um, we have some other strong sectors of the economy too, uh, you know, infrastructure construction and whatnot. You know, you can go down the list, but uh, the uh, you know, and, and in general, the services in general, which is a very large part of the economy, still doing pretty well. Spending is holding up pretty well. Consumer spending, so uh, yeah, so far so good on demand.
0: Yep, that's that's and certainly a, and a story. A,
1: and and uh, sorry, yeah, I always have to uh, when we're talking about the other side of that and cost, we um, we do, uh, as mentioned, have uh, you know kind of an elevated cost base with all those pilot contracts that you mentioned and you know supply chain. Bottlenecks with aircraft and stuff are leading to lower utilization of aircraft and whatnot, which leads to higher unit costs. So that's all, uh, you know, that's not going away. The one thing we don't know, of course, is, you know, what happens with fuel that could go up and down like a yo-yo. We have absolutely no idea. It has been kind of creeping up lately um, from, you know, that's following a big, big drop late last year. So that's that's always, you know, perennially a big wild card in the airline industry.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break and talk about an airline in Europe, EasyJet, that is similarly seeing a strong revenue performance, even though costs are 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 high. We will be right back. Hey, Jay. So let's cross the pond and, and look at EasyJet, which released its um, trading update on Wednesday, January 25th. And they uh, they showed some strong uh, revenue performance.
1: Yeah, and they uh, there's limits. They're limited in what they actually say. Um, It's not uh, they don't kind of formally publish their quarterly earnings. They only do that twice a year. So for the the uh, calendar fourth quarter, um, they only give limited information. They did, however, um, this time give their operating margin, which I was pleased to see because they. If I recall correctly in the past, they did not, but uh, they did earn, uh, or they, sorry, they lost, um, they lost money as usual. They had a, a negative 8% operating margin for the October to December quarter, which is for them, that's that's pretty good. Now it's very typical for a short haul European airline to lose money in the winter months and then make it back in the summer. So nothing, you know, nothing alarming there. Um, in fact, just, you know, just to, for comparison's sake, the uh, the year prior, um, the their calendar fourth quarter operating margin was negative 24%. Now, that was still, you know, the pandemic effects were still in play. So don't put too much stock in that comparison. But in any case, negative uh, 8%, not bad. Uh, as you mentioned, Ed, they said, you know, revenues very strong.
0: Uh, they, particularly um, ancillary revenues, which were mm-hmm. up uh, triple digits oh, compared to 2019, whereas, you know, traditional ticket revenues were down.
1: They seem to be doing a great job there. And then they have that EasyJet Holidays, which seems to be doing very well. Um, yeah, seems to be producing yeah, like quite, a, quite a good profit for them.
0: Absolutely. It was, a, I believe, 90 million pounds, 90 plus million pounds in revenue. Whereas I was, there's no you can't really do a comparison because the business launched in November 2019. But it's, yeah, doing very well for them. People, <laughs> I'm always impressed by the amount people will spend for package holidays. I'm not a package holiday myself person, but, you know, people clearly are.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a big market in Europe. And if I recall correctly, um, EasyJet's CEO uh, had previously worked for uh, Tui, I believe. Um, and that's that's what they, you know, a lot of what they do is package holidays. So he has that expertise. And then don't forget in whatever it was, two, 2009, right before the pandemic, uh, Thomas Cook, was, which was a big competitor of theirs, they disappeared. Um, so there was, there was a big gap in the market there. And they, you know, they're grabbing it. And they seem to be doing very well at that.
0: Absolutely. Now, one thing, so they didn't really go into details about this, but I was I was pulling up some data on Sirium. Uh, So uh, EasyJet made some big network shifts during the pandemic. They they have refocused. They talked about refocusing on some more uh, seasonal peaky destinations, particularly in southern Europe. You know, they've traditionally had their main bases in northern Europe, and those appear to be paying off in big ways. So some of the numbers I found on Sirium were they in Germany, which was their fourth largest market in 2019, and you know a market they invested a lot in was down seats were down 71%. Uh, wow, in the four in the December quarter. Yeah, impressive. Whereas in, yeah,
1: I'm sorry. No, yeah, continue. no,
0: whereas in Greece and Portugal, two countries that they've repeatedly highlighted as making investments in, they were up 30 plus percent in both of those countries in terms of seats. So they're making some big investments in Southern Europe that based on the revenue performance, look like they're paying off for starting to.
1: Yep, yep. And that's where the leisure is. And that's you know that's what's humming right now. I'll tell you just an aside story, uh, not to go too far off on a tangent here. But uh, if if you go back to the third quarter of 2022, so last summer, the if you look at the Lufthansa Group, uh, Austrian Airlines had the best operating margin of any airline within Lufthansa. And when I first, I could not figure out why because, first of all, I mean Austrian just historically has been has produced rather weak margins. They, you know, they typically don't usually Swiss that that has the, the highest margins in that group. Yeah. Um. But Austrian comes out on top, and I'm scratching my head trying to figure out why, especially if you think you know they do have a lot of exp- they did in the past have a lot of exposure to Russia and Ukraine, even a little bit of Asia, which you know like Brussels Airlines or doesn't have any Asia. So, uh, like what what is it? And then it kind of hit me as I was listening to the Vienna airport earnings call this week. They were talking about how fares are so high between um, basically, you know, haul out of sort of the Germanic speaking Europe, uh, you know, Germany, Switzerland, Austria. Fares are so high because all of these low cost carriers like EasyJet, like Ryanair, like Wiz, they've all just diverted capacity to these Western European leisure markets. So, you know, Austrians sitting there, you know, they're <laughs> they're loving it. They're they're they have a big smile on their face.
0: I have no doubt. I mean, we saw that in Austrians earnings. What was the last quarter that Austrian was the margin leader in the Lufthansa group? And yep. the other one that, that comes to mind immediately is Berlin. Eurowings is going in a big way, growing there by leaps and bounds where EasyJet and Ryanair have both pulled back. So, I mean, for the Lufthansa group, this is it's great news for them. They're able to grow in their home markets and, you know, c- command those high fares.
1: Yeah, I think I think it is great for them. And they, you know, for for carry like tons the tons of, especially the mainline operation, they don't care so much about this short haul because the long haul is kind of their bread and butter. So if they can uh you know have, have an airline like Austria produce good results because all the LCCs have left, that's uh yeah, that's great for them. So another, you know, we were talking about what we're looking forward to as uh, US Airlines prepared to report on Thursday. Well, uh you know, Lufthansa won't report for. I think they go very late in the first quarter.
0: It's They're in March we to, or late February. March, I right? Think. Late February.
1: Late February. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but in any case, um, you know, put that on on your calendars for uh, something to look forward to to, to see how Austria did again in the in the fourth quarter. And as as I say this, don't forget that third quarter is very different than fourth quarter. So uh, don't be surprised if there's a uh, you know some red red ink uh, red ink there in the fourth quarter. But that's you know, might be okay. If it's,
0: uh, we shall see. I mean, heck, I wish I could have made it to Austria for a ski break this uh, this fourth quarter, but alas, not not this time. <laughs> well, Jay, we're gonna leave it there, everyone. We know that you're gonna have the results from the all those U.S. airlines by the time you listen to this. So, hopefully, we we have some more details on what we just talked about. Thanks again for listening to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell. Uh, you can reach me at er at com, and you can reach my co-host Jay Shabbat at js at com. Jay, thanks so much.
1: Okay, thanks. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.